Hey, you busy? Mm-mm. Okay, let me run something past you real quick. Let me tell you something. Do not uh, underestimate what can happen when God is leading you to things that make you feel a tad bit, a little bit, a lot, okay, uh, uncomfortable. I have received more revelation about myself, about my life, about my path, about my soul, e all the above in this season after quitting my job than I have ever received in my entire life. I am getting gems and downloads and all these different things simply because I changed my external environment and God has literally no longer has to compete with that. So he's able to show me myself in a way that I'm like, oh, I wasn't aware that that was something that I had an issue with. I was not aware that I saw life in that view. I was unaware. And today I just said, you know what? I'm getting ready to have this conversation. Now I did a video like this on my YouTube channel, created the number two multiply.com dot com. That is my website, but the YouTube is also created to multiply. And I said, you know what? I need to go more in depth about that. And so here we are. Okay, great. Um, most of these things, again, ironically, is chased to some pivotal moment in my life, possibly childhood, but more so of a really transformative time in my life. And I did not realize that it carried over as such. And I'll tell you where this stemmed from. I was listening to a podcast with Sarah Jakes Roberts and she did something with LaToya Luckett uh, some time ago. And LaToya Luckett, which if you're unaware, which you shouldn't be, but that's between you and the Lord. She was one of the original members of Destiny's Child, which is where Beyonce and all of the people we got, you know, we became aware of Beyonce. And she literally said that she was being critiqued about the way that she was singing and this, that, and the third. And she received it as harsh to the point that she has now become insecure about her singing ability. And at the time of recording, she was 40. So she said things that she was hearing in her teenage years still haunts her and makes her feel insecure about her gift at 40. And I was like, okay, I can see how that can work. I can see how coming out of a group where Beyonce originated is probably not the most bestest, you know, confidence booster in that area. I can see how her being the lead singer and, and I, I, I can see how all of that is like, ugh. but the fact that, and what really got my attention is that she said sometimes when people are asking her to sing, she feels insecure where she doesn't want to take the deal. And I remember coming across another video prior to watching this one where because she sings that song torn which has a high pitch moment in there torn in between us because i really want to look at the song because she has a but i can't feel this way and then she has like this pitch and i noticed that when she's singing that song at that particular juncture 
That's when she does the old school. You take the mic and you put it in the crowd, hoping that they can sing the part for you. And I remember watching that and I was like, I don't know why she's so scared to take that note. Like she constantly does this. And this song is like old. It got to be at least a decade. Right. But I remember I was like, why doesn't she? I noticed without ever seeing her do this interview with Sarah Jakes Roberts. I noticed that she wasn't really confident in that. And when I heard her say it in in the interview with Sarah Jakes Roberts, I said, oh, it makes sense now. But then what really got me is that Sarah Jakes Roberts asked her or Sarah Jakes Roberts said, the way that Latoya Lucky feels about her singing is the way that Sarah Jakes Roberts feels about her preaching. And I was like, I am flawed. <laughs> I mean, I'm appalled. I'm a Joseph, you know, whatever disciple you want to use. But like, what is going on? I was like, oh, um, that's interesting that people are having these internal battles and externally we can kind of pick up some of it, but we can't really see like, I don't understand how that works. And so Sarah Jakes Roberts asked Latoya, uh, what will it take for you to be absolutely confident in your gift? And she said, I don't know. She said that she's in therapy about it. She's in this, that, and the third. And sometimes I think it just goes back to going to the root of when the seed was first planted No, we don't want to keep pruning the negative tree. We don't want to keep, you know, just as long as it's not blocking the window, we're okay. No, we want to go ahead and do a demolition in the soul of our lives and say, when this seed was planted, I was unaware enough or I was ill-equipped to go ahead and rebuke and just put that thing on dead soil, like just be done. But now that I'm aware that this is becoming a thorn in my side and not in a spiritual sense where God is trying to say, you know what, my grace is sufficient enough. But if I'm seeing that it's literally being used as a demonic tactic where it's preventing me from going to the next level, it's preventing me from enjoying and having a quality of life with the gift that God gave me, now it's time to do some demolition work in the spirit. The end. When it starts to get to that, that's when you got it. Like, there is no cutesy playing with that. You got to roll up your sleeves and be like, all right, we ready. Boom, boom, boom. We ready. Like, you can't be cute. I'm not trying to hit a note. I'm trying to get make sure that I live. I'm trying to make sure that I have freedom. I'm trying to make sure that I really subscribe to what the Bible says, and he who is free is free indeed. Like, what you're not going to do is have somebody's words who's no longer in my life, who's no longer around me, have their literally their words and their, and that emotion that I felt on loop. Like I'm not playing that song repeatedly. That song is not going to become my own theme song of Friday the 13th in my spirit. We're not going to go ahead and do that. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to get with God and I'm going to say this thing right here is I have identified it. I have tried to do the work on my own. I'm, I've tried to cast it. It's not working. I no longer want to hide or be hindered from something that someone else sold in my life. This is not their life they didn't give me life and so they should not be able to control my life whether it was through a statement that they made whether it's through an action that was done but I no longer want to live like this and when you start to get that posture you can identify this response that I'm having was from trauma that I had no ability to avoid I couldn't mitigated in any way and so now that I'm aware now that I'm big girl and big boy status enough I can go to my daddy and say um something right over here and let him help you do the work I don't think the bible says that when he gives a blessing he gives it without sorrow 
So if you are trying to go ahead and walk through life in a way that looks like you you can you you're okay with limping and 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 being prosperous at the same time, he's like, no, I want to fix the limp. No, like people were walking up to Jesus. He was like, what would you like to, for me to do? I like to see, sir. No, I, I came here. My friends carried me on the mat. God forbid rebuke it. And it's time for us to walk, sir. Okay, well, pick up your mat and walk. Like there were some people asking like, no, I don't want just enough. I want complete healing. I don't want just enough. I want complete restoration. I don't want just enough. I want to be put back to my manufacturer default. I see a problem. This problem is not of God. This this is not going to be the way that I live my life. This is not freedom. Everything that I could have gone through, Jesus nailed to the cross on Calvary. So if I know that I am the heir of royalty, if I am literally God's masterpiece, then I need to bring the pieces of me that feels like it is starting to internally affect me and I'm starting to see external evidences of oh I haven't dealt with this then I'm going to bring it to God and we're going to have a conversation and God's going to do the spiritual work as I continue to go ahead and stand in the stance of I am no longer dealing with this I am no longer going to be affected by this I am no longer let me tell you the real reason I'm gonna be vulnerable the real reason why I went ahead and got my pup pup son it's because I started seeing that I had a fear of dogs. And not only did I have a fear of dogs, I saw that my daughter was starting to respond in a way where she would. <laughs> so I literally got my pup pup son and was afraid of him. Got him at eight weeks. He ain't no no better. I was like, why, why is he gnawing on my finger like, like that? Trying to smell and looking ugly at the same time. Kind of scared. I don't know if I should cry or keep smelling. And then I saw my daughter do the same thing because she was like, oh, he, he's nibbling on me. And so she would now, a couple of years later, I can't get her to stay away from people. Oh, can I pet your dog? But I'm glad that I was able to see, yo, the reason why I was afraid was a response to trauma. I was walking my dog when I was in middle school and he got attacked and it did something to me. I was like, oh, that, that, that was too much. Ran back home, was like, he, he, he got bit. But my daughter didn't have that experience. But what was I doing not handling that tra traumatic response? I was passing that on. I was passing that down un un unknowingly. I had no idea. I was like, why is she afraid of dogs? <laughs> it don't make no sense. We never, like, I don't understand. And I was like, you know what? I got to do something. So the fact that I was able to walk out in bravery and say, we're breaking this cycle, even if I'm going to be a little bit afraid in the meantime, it was her bravery that I was like, uh, -uh get out of, get out of his pen. She was like, I want to hold him. I was like, oh, okay. Um, and seeing her overcome something that I didn't have the skill set to do in the moment. Now, second one around, I'm like, Hey, sit down. <laughs> I treat them like the kids, like stop playing with me. Come here. You, you, listen, they wanted the kids now. Like, I'm not playing with y'all. Listen, hush up all that racket. What you, you, you said what? I wish you would growl. You see what I'm saying? Like it's, but I had to do something different in order to receive that. So God had me jot down a couple of traumatic responses that I think if people are honest, like real talk, you can kind of see like, oh yeah, I, I can, I can see myself in that. But it was more so of me writing down a little bit from my experiences and the people around me. And I was like, wow, why do we choose to live with it? No, I, I want to live without those things. 
those things are there are not the seasonings that make the story of my life a little bit more flavorful. I'm not interested in keeping the jalapeno of anything in my lasagna. Like you say, like there's just certain ingredients you're like, mm, can do without it. Like, no, some of this is a little bit of fecal matter, a little bit of like, and I don't want any of that. Like, have a nice day. This is mold. It's giving very much. No, you sh- it's expired. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't use these things and pass on on the people that I care about, let alone start to just be okay with it being in my life. Like, no, go through the cabinet of your soul and say, real talk, which one of these do I can, am I dealing with? And am I dealing with it? You see what I'm saying? All right. I dotted a couple of them. Number one, not asking for help. Hmm. Not asking for help because someone somewhere irresponsibly responded to you in a way when you asked for help that made you feel like a beggar that made you feel like a charity case and so you said um note to self never doing that again and you would rather suffer go down with the boat <laughs> repeat that in the name of Jesus but you would rather never ever ever and put yourself in a deeper situation and put yourself in more of a whatever and disadvantage you would rather go ahead and walk that path before you ever raise your hand and ask for help the end i am sorry for the person that did that to you i am sorry that the person who made you feel that way passed that along. But can I give you a spoiler alert real quick? People only manage people the way that people have managed them. Someone responded to your request for help in a harsh way because that's the response that they received when they asked for help in their vulnerable state. And unfortunately, the people that have gone before us it looks a lot like, well, mama raised me like this. And so I'm going to raise you like this because you know what? But that happened to me and look, how I turned out fine. And you know what? She couldn't help me with my homework. So I can't, I'm not helping you with yours. You're going to have to figure out there was no one to help me with my work. And it's like, instead of looking at that moment that they initially experienced as like, wow, this was difficult. And I want to position myself in a place that no one else has experienced that difficulty, what they did Instead of doing that, because that would have been wisdom, what they've done instead is just copy and paste it and just passed on that particular trauma, that particular discomfort down to you. And on behalf of the person who did that to you, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that you cannot experience what it feels like to literally have a community of people who support you. I'm sorry that you do not understand that asking for help is a spiritual application. The Bible says, ask and you shall receive. I'm sorry that someone took what God meant for be for your good and turned it around to be for your mm, discomfort. I'm sorry. And I had to actually say that to myself. Because I did this launch of Created to Multiply with YouTube. I did the launch of Created to Multiply merch line. I did the launch of the Patreon for Strive and Inspire. And to be honest with you, a lot of that was suffering because I simply just did not ask for help. Why? Because I learned that family and friends don't help you. I learned that your, your biggest supporters most of the time are not people that you know. 
I learned that, you know what, I'm I'm embarrassed if it's not a, a, a number that I feel like, you know, is air quote successful. That's why I had to change my mindset around successful. I had to change my mindset on what effective looked like. Like you only feel like you're effective if you're getting paid from it. You only feel effective if it's thousands of numbers of people that are wanting to listen to you. And God was like, no, the things that I'm doing for you on this level, if you hone it and you go ahead and master it at this level, when I take you to other levels, you won't even even none of that would drive you. I was looking at the numbers to, to encourage me, to inspire me, to make me want to go ahead and do more. And God is like, no, I don't want the numbers to lead you or feed you. And I was like, okay, I think I get it. I get it. Yeah. But not asking for help. is not the way that the kingdom works. Cause God had to tap me on my shoulder. Like, how do you think I help you? Like, yeah, I help you spiritually, but how do you think I help you? through the people that I assigned to help you. I was like, wow. And we made up the cliche, you know, closed mouths don't get fed, but we never opened up our mouths and we starving in the meantime. So like, what happened? You understand? Okay. Number two, not comfortable with crying. (laughs) I may or may not be raising my hand, the left one to be exact. Uh, That was a harsh one for me. Who in your life made you feel like crying was weakness? So much so that it's not even that you don't like crying. You don't like being around people who cry. You get uncomfortable when you see somebody else getting emotional. You're like, oh, I don't know what to do. You know why? Because no one really showed you how to be soft and catered to in the moment that you're the most vulnerable. You do not like the human response of releasing. So you know what you did? You honed in on other emotions that work against your body, and now you got ailments that don't make sense. Why why, why you got blood pressure issues? What you holding in? What you worried about? What What do you just need to release? Yeah, how come, like, what? I don't understand. And so if you just started to do what the body is naturally wired to do when something is overwhelming the body in the emotional realm, just release it. No, I'll just cry in the shower. Okay. Who taught you that you couldn't cry in front of people? Who, who made it unsafe to be vulnerable? Who in your life made you look at crying in such a way that it's like, yeah, I don't want to do that. On behalf of the person or people that did that to you, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that you don't understand that showing emotion It's actually not a weakness, it's a strength. To be able to identify what you're feeling in the moment, to deal with it in the moment, to let the release of the body, not let the, not force the body to hold on to something that you don't necessarily have to hold on to and to be able to feel in that moment and then exhale. When you don't cry, you're telling your body to hold your breath until you feel powerful enough to breathe again. Why? Why would you do that? If it was wrong and that's not how that's supposed to do, then how come the fruit of that is sometimes you feel better? Now, uh, if you're like me, crying is a whole to do because you don't really know how to do it. So when you do cry, it's a whole bunch. You got a headache. Yeah, but like that's because, you know, you don't allow yourself to feel. And so when you do do it, the body's like, why are we sweating? Like it's, it's mayday. Like you understand? On behalf of the people that made us feel like crying was a disservice or it was a level of weakness, I'm sorry. Three, putting others before you to your detriment. 
it's okay to be humble where you're like, you know what? I care about other people and I want people to win and, but not to your detriment, not that you letting people borrow to the point that your account is on that number, not to the point that you giving people your last and the shirt off your back. That's noble, but that's not wise, right? I need you to go ahead and make sure that when you're helping people, that you still leave yourself with something that you can help yourself with. Yeah, not to the point that you letting people treat you like a welcome mat. Like the only time your phone rings or texts by that person, it, it has to do with, hey, I need. Like, I'm sorry, have you become people's ATM, either financially or emotionally? Every time something's bad, like people have just learned and discerned to dump on you, no matter what time it is, no matter how inconvenient it may be. Hey, you at work real quick, I need to talk to you. Like people will go ahead and bulldoze over your life because you allowed them. And now you can't even focus. You can't even continue to just do what you need to do. You can't even continue to just, you know what? These are my plans for the day. This is my plans with my money because people have learned you're going to put me first before you every time. And so you have now become a ATM on however that looks. It may not necessarily be money. Like I said, it may be the fact that people know I can go ahead and make stupid mistakes because you're going to bail me out. Mm -hmm. I can go ahead and keep on in this abusive relationship because as long as I got your ear as an outlet, you know, I, it gives me strength to go on another day. <laughs> yeah, we are um, the people. We are no longer going to let people put themselves before us in the way that is a detriment to us. What do the people on the airplane say? When the thing comes down, God forbid, and rebuke it, put it on yourself first before you try to go ahead and help other people. And what we're doing is we're going to each owl, each seat, and making sure everybody has theirs on. And then at the end, it's like, oh, yeah, you realize you can't breathe too? Rebuke that name of Jesus. Do you realize that? Okay. Another tra traumatic experience, um, serial dating. You always need to be in a relationship in with somebody. You actually don't feel good without a title relationally. You don't feel worthy. You don't feel that, you know, like what's wrong with me. It makes you feel whole. Like as soon as somebody say, yeah, you're my girlfriend or you know what? All right. We can be boyfriend and girlfriend, whatever they say to you. Like the next day you feel like, yay. Like you feel like somebody like, yes. Like you feel like somebody is claiming you like, yeah. It's like, it makes you feel some kind of way. That's a risk that that's a, a traumatic response. Mm -hmm. Someone needs to claim you for you to feel like you have value. Someone needs to be able to say, hey, this is my, in order for you to feel good about yourself. Someone needs to post you. Someone, you need to post someone. You need to be able to change your relationship status on your social media platform of choice. Like that, that's the only way that you fulfill, you feel whole. Do you see the difference in your behavior and how you carry yourself the next day once you actually establish a relationship? Why? Low key, that's a sign of um, codependency and it's deep rooted in rejection. You should not feel your best only when someone's claiming you because in your head, what you've done is, well, it, you felt relieved that someone was able to see your value. And now it feels like, yay, I'm in the numbers now. I'm amongst the people who are no longer single. I'm among, And it's like, but wait a minute. Let's deal with the fact that you don't feel like this when you're single, that you don't feel your best. You don't feel whole. You don't feel worthy. You don't feel valuable. Why is that? Let's get to the place that we start to understand that titles do not add or take away from us. 
You are beautiful. You are whole. God still loves you the same. There is someone who still thinks about you in a high way. If not, then you need to start looking at yourself in that way. But you are who you were 24 hours before the relationship started. You still have all the same attributes. You still have all the same level of value. You still have all these beautiful things about you. And no one joining your life should make you make you feel like, oh, okay, life is now being lived. No, I want you to live a life so beautiful that when people come into your life, it should almost be the same as people coming into your home. Your home should feel like home, whether there's a guest there or not. Your life should feel abundant, whether there's people or an attachment or a title there or not. Yeah, there are certain things about you that needs to have a foundation of wholeness before you start adding numerators because you're the denominator. Do you understand that? Mm. Yep, I'll let the Holy Spirit go ahead and do what he needs to do. Okay, five, inability to accept compliments. Who made you feel like getting a compliments is like eh. and I think this one is kind of twofold one is you see the people that like scream for attention and you're like ah you look so pretty thank you like mm, I can't it's just and so when you already have that kind of air about you that you like look I I got a big personality but I'm not trying to be like the the life of the party. Like that's not the grandbaby that I am, but I'm not even talking about life of the party. I'm not even talking about, I'm talking about somebody one-on-one saying, I like your shoes. Why can't you just say, thank you. Okay. That's something that, you know, external, like you, you bought that. So you bought it cause you liked it. So somebody else like it and you could be, but sometimes we go the extra mile. Like, yeah, it was on sale and you dumb yourself down. You just can't say thank you. Let somebody say they like your hair. I like your hair. Oh, girl, it's wash days. And then you dumb yourself down because you couldn't just say thank you. You couldn't just say that. Oh, I love your outfit. Really? Because I, I didn't think these two colors. Just say thank you. Did you lack compliments when you were younger? Did you lack compliments in a time frame when you didn't feel your most confident? And so now in order to take the attention away from you, in order to take the accolade away from you, you rather just dumb yourself down and, and just kind of dissect the compliment to the point that it's like, dang, you got a compliment and you gave complaining in, re in return. Like, that's what it sounds like. Oh, you're complimenting me? Well, let me tell you all the reasons why you shouldn't. Like, ugh, they should have just not said nothing to you. Just hit them with a hot 16. That sounds a lot like two words. Thank you. <laughs> you're done. No, the problem is, is that you haven't felt worthy in so long. The problem is, is that someone that really, that you admire didn't feed you in that way. The problem is, is that you may or may not have heard somebody just telling someone anything like you're so beautiful and you looked at her like, what? God, I hate to talk about somebody else's grandbaby, but like, I think he's, I think he's yinging her. So you may have become a little bit more not susceptible to receiving compliments because A, you don't even know if it's truth and B, you want somebody to know, listen, I'm regular just like you. Okay, well take this regular compliment and go home and have a nice day. And I mean that in the most disrespectful way. You understand? Six, anger or shutting down is your go-to emotion. 
Uh, that's a trauma response. That's a whole nother conversation for another day. I ain't going to hold you. You understand? That anger and shutting down combo, <laughs> that kind of grandbaby needs to have the nicest date. Like, yo, who didn't help you with your worries when you were younger? Who didn't help you with your feelings when you were younger? Who really embedded the shut up for I give you something to cry about when you were younger? Who made you feel like, you know what? Stop complaining because everybody hates their job. Stop complaining because everybody, motherhood is hard for everybody. Well, you know what? My mother didn't help me. Well, you know what? I ain't have no father either. And somebody made you feel like your emotions were so invalid that they told you don't even feel them. And so you were feeling them and you just learned I'm just not going to show them Mm. on behalf of whoever did that to you I'm sorry I'm sorry that someone didn't say you know what you're not weak if you cry if you're a boy you're not weak if you cry if you're a girl you are not weak if you're saying oh I think this job is too much for me you're not weak if you're like you know what if I had if I I think I want to do something. You're not weak because people are looking at you like you should be able to manage more, but you have to be able to see the sensitivity of how you're wired and answer to that. But some of us are angry. Some people are walking out here super duper angry because they have not allowed themselves to just feel their feelings. Nope, you can't feel that because if you were to admit that you feel that way, what would your dad say? What would your friends say? What would your mom say? What would your cousins and them say? But such and such been through way worse. And so you don't feel equipped to be able to say, hey, I'm feeling a little bit of filling the blank. And so like you got to feel your feelings, but you got to be silent about it. You got to feel your feelings, but you got to put on the front. And this is why people are suffering in silence. It's like, can you just like find one person? And if you can't get, get a journal and write to God and say, here's what I'm feeling, learn how to be true to yourself first, learn how to be true to God in prayer first so that you can learn how to be true to other people. If they like that bothers you, it actually does. And it may not bother anybody else, but it bothers me. So what I'm going to do is what's best for me. And I'm going to do and then you fill in the blank that's what happened to me at work before I quit my job people are like don't let that bother you but it does (laughs) and just because you used to be in abuse at a high level of toxicity I'm not listen I don't gotta take any more sips before I realize this is this doesn't work for me. And while y'all sipping and y'all found ways to, oh, if you pinch your nose, it's more palatable. Oh, if you go ahead and drink this before that, then it's more palatable. I am not contorting myself to be okay with something that does not sit well with me. And I'm sorry that that looks like, oh, you're, you're quitting. No, quitting is not terrible. Quitting just means that I'm putting down what no longer works for me. And maybe if people really sorted through their emotions, that's what they will come to the conclusion of. Hmm. Emotions are an indicator. Something ain't right. Mm. (laughs) And that's what the emotions are saying. And then your soul is like, let me send this message to my physical realm. And your physical realm is like, something just ain't right. Like we looking up like, you know what? I feel some kind of way. Okay. So sort through that. The indicator is there. You feel it. Now do the work to say, why do I feel this? And what do I need to put in place so that we don't feel this again? Because something is trying to get my attention. Hmm? Okay. Seven, asking several people for their opinion before you make a, mis- a decision. Because um, you, you don't trust yourself. Why? Because something happened in your younger years. Something happened in your 
you know, impressionable years that you made a decision off of, you know, and you were courageous enough to say, this is what I'm going to do. And it backfired. And so you learned secretly, I will never trust myself again. And so you went to the people around you and was like, how come you didn't say nothing? And they were like, I tried blah, blah, blah. And so you learned like, yo, before I make any decision, big or small, it's ridiculous. You like these shoes? You like this blah, blah, blah? Hey, should I move here? What do you think about this shop opportunity? Well, I'm going to ask such and such because she knows a lot about And then you have compartmentalized a go-to person for each portion of your life of who you're going to ask before you actually walk out on faith. Like, what? Do you realize that you're asking people their opinion who don't have your life figured out? Do you realize that you're asking people their opinion and they did not make the plan for your life? Do you realize that you are more prone to go to people before you go to God and say, what should I do? Huh? Do you realize that you're asking imperfected people about a perfect path for your life so that when it don't work out, you got to go back to them like, well, that didn't work. What you want them to say? Oh, I thought, like, do you understand that? You have perverted yourself enough to think that if you're asking someone else that that's the only way that something's going to work. Can I give you newsflash? People don't know what they're doing. People can give you what they think is best based on the variables that you gave them. But people cannot see no one. No one can see exactly the details of your life. God is not going to allow that. That's why the Bible says that people prophesied in part. God is not going to give you a go-to person because that's what he's for. You think he's going to give you his replacement? Yeah, I don't. That's not. No. Okay, great. So it would be best for you to ask the only one who knows the very details of your life, including the, the hairs on your head, like the people that you ask them, do they know how many hair follicles you have? If you have two, that's between you and the Lord. But you see what I'm saying? Like we're asking people who are trying to still figure out their lives too. They may have made good decisions, but they don't know how to make those decisions for your life. It's different variables. You're wired different. You're born in different circumstances. You had different experiences. Like they cannot like give people the slack of like, yo, you may not know it all. And that doesn't change how I view you. That just changed how I'm viewing myself. Like come to that conclusion quick, fast, in a hurry, please. And stop going to God and saying, okay, so for the variables that I have, what do you want me to do? Because everybody else is going to tell you how they did it in a way that looks a lot like you can do it too. But that's not really the recipe God's trying to do. He's trying to use your ingredients for the recipe that he has for your life so that you can enjoy the meal when you sit down at the table that he presents in front of your enemies. Like, do you understand how that works? Like, it's bigger than asking someone for great advice. Yes, the Bible says that you should ask counsel. But I don't believe that's for every detail. Some things he wants you to go to him. When I was reading about David in the Bible, he wasn't asking people, what should I do? He was going to God, like, should I go to Keilah? I should. Are you going to hand the people over to me? He wasn't asking people anything. Because you literally need to know that your victories come from God. So you may want to get your courtness from him as well. Hmm? And then last one. Nope, because I see why you're looking at me. Uh, being so stuck in the past that you can't move in the future. And that's what made me think of my boy Moses. I said, Moses, Moses, Moses. Boy, I tell you, you something else. Them people had you so stuck in the past. You were like, God, I'm not moving. I went to Exodus 3. And I went to verse uh, 12. 
just seeing how God was just trying to pacify this grandbaby and it just was not sinking in. Exodus 3, verse 12. Actually, I'm going to read from verse 11. And you know I read from the NOT version. But Moses protested to God, Who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? 12. God answered, I will be with you. And this is your sign that I'm the one who has sent you. When you have bought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God at this very mountain. 13. But Moses protested. If I go to the people of Israel and tell them the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, they will ask me, what is his name? Then what should I tell them? 14. God replied to Moses, I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. 15. God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel, Yahweh, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my eternal name, my name to remember for all generations. And then pause. Then God continues to tell him all these great things and what needs to be done and this, that, and the third. And then in the very next chapter, Exodus 4, literally the first verse, it says, but Moses protested again. What if they won't believe me or listen to me? What if they say, the Lord never appeared to you? Pause. What? <laughs> he just told you all the... Then I went down to verse 10, but Moses pleaded with the Lord. Oh Lord, I'm not very good with words. I never have been. And I'm not now, even though you're, you have spoken to me, I get tongue tied and my words get tangled. 11. Then the Lord said, ask Moses, who makes a person's mouth? Who decides whether people speak or don't speak hear or do not hear see or do not see. Is it not? I, the Lord 12 now go. I will be with you as you speak, and I will instruct you on what to say. 13, but Moses again pleaded, Lord, please send anyone else. 14, then the Lord became angry with Moses. All right, he said, what about your brother Aaron, the Levite? I know he speaks well. And look, he is on his way to meet you now. He will be delighted to see you. 15, Talk to him and put words in his mouth, and I will be with both of you as you speak, and I will instruct you both in what to do. 16. Aaron will be your spokesman to the people. He will be your mouthpiece, and you will stand in the place of God for him, telling him what to say. 17. And take your shepherd's staff with you and use it to perform the miraculous signs I have shown you. Pause. Moses, you pleaded with God that much. Because the very reason why God found you where he found you is because somebody else's words drove you there. When you saw the Hebrew boys fighting, you were like, hey, don't fight my brothers. They were like, uh, what you going to do? Kill us the way that you killed the Hebrew boy the other day? Like, <laughs> or the Egyptian the other day? Like, what, what you going to do? And Moses was like, oh, snap. The words of somebody else drove him spiritually physically and mentally so far out that he got stuck there. He got stuck in the wilderness 
that he chose to be in because of somebody else's words. I, I wish God would have said to him, you know why you're like this, right? You're like this because you let other people's words in the past direct your future. You're like this because somebody else says something to you and now you feel so insecure. You lack confidence in an area that you didn't suffer in before. Yet you didn't suffer with the ability to speak. You didn't suffer with the ability of feeling like, what if I'm misunderstood? You didn't feel that before. You were walking around the palace. You were doing all the palace-like things, but you still had this thing that you connected with the Hebrews because you knew first and foremost you're a Hebrew. But this new trait that you picked up, like, but that that's not of God. I wish God would have showed him like you weren't like this before, but God didn't even touch that because he's like, if I got to trace back on what happened to you in order for you to not even see that this very moment is a miracle. Like Moses, you never had this kind of connection with God. You never had God show you a burning bush. You never had God show you that your staff can can turn into a snake. You never had God literally tell you for the first time ever documented that, yo, my name is Yahweh. That's going to be the name that they remember for all generations. Like this moment right here is miraculous. This moment right here is a miracle. This moment right here is beyond what you ever experience but he can't even get you to see this moment right here is life-changing this moment right here is going to change your life he can't even get you to see that now because you stuck on the past you're stuck in the past the past has overpowered you in such a way that you can't see how powerful this moment is right here God is here speaking to you now in this particular portion and season of your life. And you're like, yeah, God, but, and then you got to point him to the past. Why? I felt some kind of way that documented for the first time of me realizing it, that the first time that God got angry the first time that God lacked a little bit more patience than what we would think that he would give is because he's like, yo, they, people have more power than me. I can't even call you because you still are recalling what somebody else said about you. I can't even use you in the way that you were intended to be used since your birth because of what someone said to you at some portion of your life. You allow someone else to overpower the power that I have over your life. Like what is going on? And I could just imagine how that felt to be the creator, to know that you saved Moses from the Nile river. You saved Moses from dying. You saved Moses from, from whatever it is that he would have been dealing with. You saved him. And yet you can't even use him because somebody else abused him. I could just imagine what that felt like as the creator. I created you to be used for the glory of God. But because of what some other people said or did to you, you told me, God, you, can, you can't count on me? You told me, God, I don't think I got it. Like, I'm sorry, what? Do you see what I'm saying? I looked at Moses and I said, Moses, you haven't, that's a, tra a trauma response to tell God no because of how you viewed a season of your life because of how people responded to you. 
So now when God calls you to people, you're like, but what if they respond the way they did before? But what if they respond the way that they did before? But what if they respond? And God is like, excuse me, who made the mouth, bruh? Like, I'll tell you what to say. Matter of fact, tell them that I sent you. Matter of fact, take these miracles with you. So no matter what he do, your response is still stuck in the past that even when he shows you all that, you're like, but God, just send somebody else. Mm-mm. You're not allowed to be okay with forfeiting your, your purpose and your promise. You're not allowed. Yeah, what, what the bishop say? Under the sound of my voice, you are not allowed to not be on your post. What is your post? Your purpose, your calling. You are not allowed to move from your post of life because of what somebody else said or did not do or did in your life. You're not allowed. You don't give people that much power to be able to do that. You don't give people that much power to override the promise that God has. You think Jeremiah 29, 11 was just written to be written. He gave you a plan for your life for a hope in a future. Not all, you know what, Dane, just if those people didn't do that, then I could have been able. No, he's still able. He's still able. He's the I am. And if he's still the I am, then you still can, period. Period. Here, re, yet, okay? So what is my challenge to you? Which one of these traumatic responses made you feel like, ooh, because I know the Holy Spirit nudged you. Which one were you like, I'm going to have to take that one to God so he can dissect that out of me so I can walk through that and be more powerful than what I have been? Yeah. Because you need, you need time to be able to see that you have an anchor that is slowing you down. And just because you're making progress, are you making the progress that God wants you to make? Yeah, don't be a functioning, uh, <laughs> functioning person with heavy trauma. You know how they say functioning addicts? Yeah, don't, don't be functioning at a high level with something that's still slowing you down. You may not see it in the way that you function, but people can see it when people try to get close to you. People can see it when they try to love you. People can see it when they try to get a level of intimacy with you. And it's like, oh, wow. And that's the wrong time for trauma to peak its ugly head. Do you see what I'm saying? All right, listen, um, I feel like you got what you needed. Mm -hmm. You know these conversations are though, right? Right. They are life provoking conversations, conversations that not the average person is going to have with you. But who your favorite homegirl? So listen, I'm going to do my first one. Ask for help. Uh, Created to multiply the YouTube, the dot coms, the merch, all the things, the Patreon, Shrive and Inspire, all the things. I'm, I'm not going to I choose not to operate in trauma anymore. I'm not doing it. So, yeah, I took the first step. And I'm going to continue to. And we're not letting the past win ever again. You understand? But all right, I'm going to let you go because you got uh, websites and Patreons and all the other stuff to listen to. Mm -hmm. We talk later. Okay? Later. <laughs>